Freddie Kitchens heading on to North Carolina is certainly a loss for the South Carolina Gamecocks. But to what extent exactly? Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and also the lead staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. There is a bit of interesting news coming out of Columbia on Monday as the South Carolina Gamecocks are going to lose arguably their most important analyst to their week one opponent for the 2023 season in the North Carolina Tar Heels as Freddie Kitchens is apparently going to move on to Chapel Hill to accept the open tight end coaching position under Mac Brown. And when this news trickled out through the Columbia area and all of South Carolina's fan base on Monday, there was a bevy of polarizing opinions regarding just how much of a loss this is for South Carolina. And here's my thing. Pertaining to the game itself in 2023, South Carolina losing Freddie Kitchens to the Tar Heels does give North Carolina an advantage in this game now. But it's not a massive advantage. There are some people that would say that this move hurts South Carolina significantly. There are other people that say that it doesn't hurt South Carolina one bit. I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle. So in terms of the information and the knowledge that Freddie Kitchens might take from South Carolina to North Carolina... What exactly does that look like? What is it that he is going to be able to give Mac Brown and that coaching staff that, again, could give them a leg up against South Carolina? Well, for one, he's going to have a general knowledge of Dow Loggett's philosophy and offense. But the thing that I think is key here is general knowledge. Because we have to remember, with Dow Loggett, since he has arrived at South Carolina... He has spent the majority of his time in the months of December when he was hired and January heading into signing day recruiting for South Carolina's offensive coaching staff. And since signing day, he has probably been able to spend a lot more time, of course, in those meeting rooms and then the Long Family Football Operations Center to be able to create a playbook and a game plan for what it is that he wants to run with this offense, with Spencer Rattler at quarterback in spring practice for the South Carolina Gamecocks. But he's only had a month to do so. And here's the other thing. Dow Loggins talked about at his introductory press conference how he is not somebody that wants to necessarily get the cart ahead of the horse in terms of setting expectations on players until he's got a really good idea of what he's got, what exactly he's working with. And it's one thing to sit in a film room and watch games from last season, but it's another thing to actually be out there on the practice field, get to have some trial and error with some of your favorite plays, 
with the players that you have and then sit down and say, okay, based on what we did in spring practice for the last several weeks, I now know that this play will work perfectly in the offense and this formation might not work so great along with other concepts and the like. And so my point is this, Freddie Kitchens is going to have a big picture idea of what the offense might entail. But in terms of the nuances regarding how Dow Loggins is going to utilize Spencer Rattler and the offensive skill talent he's got, that is going to be a complete mystery for Freddie Kitchens when the North Carolina coaching staff inevitably approaches him about what he knows about this team. Because Dow Loggins, again, likely doesn't even know himself yet how he's going to cater his offensive scheme and philosophy in its totality to this offensive personnel group itself. So in terms of the actual offense itself, I don't think that Freddie Kitchens is going to be able to glean too much off of what he has seen up to this point and take that with him to North Carolina. Now, there are a couple of other bits of knowledge and information that he is going to be able to provide to North Carolina that are going to be important for them and that will play a role probably in this game. One thing is he's going to have a knowledge of how the coaches operate on game day, more specifically Shane Beamer. Freddie Kitchens was a guy that hung around Shane Beamer a lot on the sidelines throughout the 2022 season. And because of that, he is somebody that, especially as a former head coach in the National Football League, nonetheless, he would have an idea of sort of what to look for in terms of how coaches think. What it is they do in critical situations, say on third down, or maybe they need a certain score and they've only got so much time left on the clock, or they're down by a bunch of points and you're trying to figure out whether or not you can still try to abide by your original game plan or be aggressive. He has seen Shane Beamer make all those decisions himself throughout these games. And he's going to be able to use that to, again, give that to Mac Brown and the coaching staff and, you know, give them an option to press certain buttons at certain moments because they'll have a better idea of maybe how Shane Beamer is going to react. The kind of decisions that he will make in certain spots. That is something that is valuable, admittedly. And that is something that is going to help out North Carolina. And then one other bit of knowledge that I'll be able to bring with him, and this one is pretty self-explanatory, he's going to know the strengths and weaknesses of certain players and position groups, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And obviously, again, he can take that, give that to Gene Chizik and the rest of that Tar Heel defensive coaching staff, and they will be able to utilize the information, again, just to doctor up a certain portion of their game plan to trying to attack those weaknesses and put pressure on South Carolina's offense in the right ways. But I will also say this, for people who are greatly concerned about this potential move and how it could affect South Carolina's matchup against the Tar Heels on September 2nd, later this fall, it is important to remember, North Carolina defensively finished 116th in both pass and total defense last year and also finished 102nd in scoring defense. So to summarize this entire discussion, saying that Freddie Kitchens going to North Carolina doesn't help the Tar Heels for their matchup against South Carolina would be a bit ludicrous to say. But the advantage that they do get mainly lies with the knowledge of the players and the personnel, not the entirety of the scheme, which is the most important aspect in terms of trade secrets 
at the end of the day. So because of that, the advantage for North Carolina is not as large as some people might think. Albeit, they will have one heading into this opening week matchup between the Gamecocks and North Carolina. Now, while South Carolina lost analyst Freddie Kitchens to the North Carolina Tar Heels, when talking about recruiting for Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program, they're hoping to add a big-time edge rusher in Dylan Stewart in the 2024 recruiting class. And if they're able to do so, it could do a couple of really big things for them in terms of forming relationships with a certain region and garnering the attention of other prospects. So we're going to dive even further into that discussion in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, if you're somebody that's looking for a protein bar, maybe something to snack on during the day while you're at work, or maybe something that you can eat right after you just exert a lot of energy during a workout, then you've got to get Built Bar. Built Bar is quite literally the perfect protein bar because it's got everything that you would want in a protein bar. It is healthy, obviously. It is extremely enjoyable. And the other thing is, they don't have the same bland flavors that you see all the time at your local grocery stores. They got a variety of options to choose from. It's 130 calories, 4 grams of protein, and it still includes a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you can get these bars right now at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. If you go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, you can grab yourself a 4-bar box that includes cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs, and at Sam's Club, you can of course get that 13-bar box that includes brownie batter and churro. I promise you, you're going to thank me later because Built Bar is where Tasty is the new healthy. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen here today. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Dylan Stewart and his subsequent recruitment could wind up opening a couple of different doors for South Carolina's football coaching staff. Dylan Stewart could give South Carolina the opportunity to have a permanent pipeline in the Maryland and Washington, D.C. areas and a stronger chance to land more national-level defensive line prospects in the very near future. Of course, South Carolina and the Gamecocks have already done this once before. They landed Washington, D.C. native Nicholas Harper on signing day back on February the 1st, which, of course, was seen as a massive national win for the program, beating out the likes of Oregon, Michigan, the home state Maryland Terrapins, the Miami Hurricanes, and in this past cycle, they also landed edge rusher Desmond Umeo Zulu out of the state of Maryland, and that happened back in August. Now, I say all that to lead into this. On Monday, on three, completely changed the recruiting formula for how they sort of 
weigh the different recruiting service websites' opinions on certain prospects. But in the same token, they also changed and reshuffled their own recruiting rankings. And once the dust settled with that reshuffle, Dylan Stewart, a prominent South Carolina football target for the 2024 recruiting cycle, was listed as the number one overall prospect in the entire country for his class. Now, why is this big for South Carolina? Well, I just sort of alluded to it. South Carolina at this moment has a good chance to land five-star edge rusher Dylan Stewart, someone that, again, comes from the DMV area, and it would be the second straight recruiting cycle in which that were to happen if it were to play out in that fashion. And this would capture the attention of a lot of nationally recognized college football programs once again. But most importantly, it would capture the attention of prospects in that region. Because when you look at Washington, D.C. and the state of Maryland, if Dylan Stewart were to, say, end the recruiting process before his senior season of high school football, let's say he makes a decision sometime in late July or early August, which my gut tells me that based on the way Dylan Stewart has sort of carried himself throughout the recruiting process, that he could very well end up deciding to do that. And if he were to do so, this would solidify South Carolina's stature with other prospects like cornerback Braden Lee and offensive tackle Mike Williams out of the Charles Herbert Flowers School or the old stomping grounds of current edge rusher Desmond Umeo Zulu. This would also really solidify their status with a 2025 linebacker prospect named Nathaniel Owusu Boateng, who has visited the South Carolina Gamecocks already once in the process. Because if these prospects were to still have any lingering questions regarding South Carolina's football program and what they could offer them, how they could develop them both on and off the field, whether or not they could prepare them or develop them for the NFL. Seeing Nicholas Harper and Dylan Stewart, two preeminent athletes at that edge position, both decide in back-to-back cycles to go to South Carolina, I mean, really and truthfully, that is an automatic stamp of approval right then and there. South Carolina, the coaches almost would just have to kick back and put their feet on their desk and wait for the text messages and phone calls to flood in from these kind of prospects, especially prospects, again, from that region. Now, in terms of other national defensive line prospects, South Carolina is in the game for multiple guys in this aspect for the next couple of cycles. The biggest name for 2025 is arguably defensive line prospect Elijah Griffin out of Savannah, Georgia. He is currently rated as the number one prospect by On3's consensus rankings. I believe 24-7 Sports has him as the number two overall prospect behind another Gamecock target and David Sanders out of Charlotte. And the thing is with Elijah Griffin, he has already visited Columbia three times up to this point, which to my knowledge, is more than any other school, including the home state Georgia Bulldogs. Now, the Georgia Bulldogs are going to be a tough out, of course, in this recruiting battle, and they're certainly a long ways away, and we're certainly a long ways away from reaching the end of that recruitment for Elijah Griffin. But my point is, the Gamecocks have already sort of manufactured themselves a seat at the table, and pretty close to the top of the table for that matter. And 
That's not the only prospect that the Gamecocks are in the game for. You've also got 2025 edge defender Keelan Butler. you got 2026 defensive lineman Bryce Perry Wright out of Buford High School in Buford, Georgia. And then you got 2026 edge rusher Tyler Atkinson, who also is out of Georgia, playing for high school powerhouse Grayson High School. So all of these guys are national level prospects. And again, if South Carolina were to land Dylan Stewart in the 2024 recruiting cycle, what a resounding message that would send to all of these players. And the thing is, again, some people outside of South Carolina might sit there and think that there's no way that South Carolina can pull it off again. But we have seen the way that this staff is trending in terms of recruiting over just the last few months. This is a staff that is probably one of the top 10 staffs in the country right now in terms of the collective amount of recruiting ability that they possess. And the thing is, a couple of the stronger recruiters on this entire coaching staff right now reside on the defensive line with interior defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsay and edge defender coach Sterling Lucas, who arguably might be the best recruiter on this staff at this point. And he came straight from the NFL to the college ranks. It was his first time coaching in an on-field role in the sport. And, you know, there were some questions when he came here, of course, how well is he going to be able to handle the responsibility of recruiting these kids? I think that Sterling Lucas has definitely proven himself by this point. And Dylan Stewart would just be the latest example of his ability to get after it on the recruiting trail. So again, Dylan Stewart, if he were to come to South Carolina, he would open up doors more so than ever before, maybe even permanently for the Gamecocks in the DMV area. It would really capture the attention of other defensive line prospects from the succeeding 2025 and 2026 recruiting classes at the at the minimum, and it would validate what kind of coach the Gamecocks have in Sterling Lucas. All right, so as y'all could probably tell at this point, Monday was just a jam-packed day in terms of news for South Carolina's football team. And guess what? It did not stop at Freddie Kitchens and Dylan Stewart because South Carolina also announced their dates for both their pro day and their spring game. In terms of South Carolina's pro day, that is going to take place on March the 13th. And there are, ironically enough, going to be 13 participants that are going to be involved in South Carolina's pro day. And those participants are Nate Atkins, Christian Beale Smith, Jalen Brooks, Eric Douglas, Sherrod Green, Javon Gwynn, Brad Johnson, Zach Pickens, Devonnie Reed, Darius Rush, Cam Smith, Josh Fan and Dylan Wonham. That is all 13 players that are going to be involved in South Carolina's Pro Day workout in front of any NFL scouts that end up attending, of course. Now, there's going to be three particular players that I'm going to be very interested in watching for the field drill portion of Pro Day, which is going to be open to the media. So I'm going to try to make it there so that I can maybe post some stuff to my social media for all of y'all and also just let y'all know what I saw. But the three players I'm going to be interested to watch nonetheless are Nate Atkins, Darius Rush, and Josh Fan. For Nate Atkins, I'm going to be interested to watch Nate Atkins because honestly, I got to say, this is a guy that I am pulling for really hard. Nate Atkins is 
a guy that when he was brought on to South Carolina through the transfer portal hall that they got for the 2022 recruiting cycle, he was probably one of the more unsung prospects that the Gamecocks got in that group. And the ironic thing is, when looking back in terms of overall impact from last season, I would argue that Nate Atkins was a top three player in that transfer portal class. I would probably put him third right behind Spencer Rattler and Antoine Juice-Wells. And especially when you look at what he did later on in the season, when South Carolina started to run a lot more max protection schemes in their play-action plays, which had Nate Atkins at times playing running back or H-back basically because of the injuries back there. When you look back at some of the catches that he had against Tennessee, doing a great job on some of those short out routes. And of course, his performance against Clemson and his valiant effort despite injury against Notre Dame. Nate Atkins, I think, became a fan favorite for South Carolina's fan base. And he's just a kid that just gives it everything he's got. And he's a tight end these days that, quite frankly, you just don't see a whole lot anymore. Which is somebody who can honestly do a great job in terms of catching the football but also is a heck of a blocker that can block in line and also can block one-on-one, honestly, against maybe some blitzing linebackers or some defensive backs that are screaming off of the edge. So I'm going to be pulling for Nate Atkins to do really well at this pro day, and I think that scouts are going to be impressed in terms of just the overall tenacity that he plays with. Darius Rush is another player I'm going to be interested in watching, and This one's probably even more obvious than the reasoning for Nate Atkins in the sense that Darius Rush has had a fantastic offseason up to this point. He was one of the top performers down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl, both in practice and also within the game, and has been talked about a lot recently by NFL Draft analysts as one of the bigger sleepers now in the 2023 NFL Draft class. And so Darius Rush is now going to get a chance to show off what his physical and athletic traits are in this pro day workout. And with um, how much he trained in the offseason and what all he has done under Luke Day, I would imagine up to this point, I'm pretty sure that Darius Rush is going to be well prepared to capitalize on this opportunity that he is going to have as someone that, depending on the numbers he puts up, combined with what he does at the NFL Combine, he could end up being a potential day two draft pick. So, going to be a lot of eyes for sure, on Darius Rush and what all he does on March the 13th. And then the last player I'm going to be interested in watching is Josh Van. There's a couple different reasons here. Josh Van obviously decided to come back to Columbia for one more season, and for multiple reasons, it just did not pan out. Obviously, you could definitely point to Marcus Satterfield as being a big reason why it did not go Josh Van's way because of maybe the misutilization of him and also the quote-unquote personnel groupings that turned to a massive issue for this offense because it quite frankly just overcomplicated a bevy of different things. And then Josh Van got hurt at the end of last season against the Clemson Tigers. He missed the game Cox bowl game against the Notre Dame fighting Irish down in Jacksonville. So now Josh Van is going to get his one shot here at South Carolina's pro day because Josh Van was not invited to the NFL combine and If you're looking at the stats, I guess I can understand why he wasn't invited, but Josh Van is somebody that deserved to go to Indianapolis. He deserves to go up there with his teammates, including fellow wide receiver Jalen Brooks, who will be participating in the Gamecocks Pro Day. So, kind of the same reasoning alongside Nate Atkins. I am really hoping Josh Van just kills it 
on Pro Day because he is someone that has given so much to this program. I know Gamecock fans will always have a special spot in their heart for Josh Fan, and I just really hope that he shows all these scouts from all these different NFL teams that he is somebody that can play at the next level, and I think he is going to do that, in my opinion. Now, real quickly moving on from South Carolina's Pro Day to their spring game, I'll just go ahead and tell you all the date for that is April the 15th, at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Apparently, it is going to be the second edition of Big Gamecock Weekend, so there's going to be a lot of events going on that weekend. I believe Patrick Davis and his group are going to do a concert once again. I think there's going to be a fireworks show after the spring game, but needless to say, the big event for that weekend, the spring game itself, will be April the 15th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, so mark your calendars for that because that is when the Gamecocks will take the field for the final time in the spring slate. But with that being said, y'all, that is going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are y'all's thoughts on Freddie Kitchens leaving South Carolina for North Carolina? Do you think it gives the Tar Heels a massive advantage? Do you think it gives them no advantage? Or do you sort of fall more so in the middle? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section on YouTube, or if you're listening to today's show on an audio podcast app, you can shoot me a direct message at a line underscore SC on Twitter. And once again, don't forget to make Locked On College Basketball your second listener or watch now that you have watched or listened to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But again, that does it for me on today's show. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.